Are you generating the revenue you want at your gym? What would happen if you cranked out 40 to 70 grand a month in gross revenue? If that sounds like a huge number, I'm here to tell you it's possible. And my guest today is the proof. What does it take to be one of Two Brain's top revenue generating gyms? Anders Gatti will tell you on this edition of Two Brain Radio. Welcome to the show. I'm Mike Workington. Whether you're listening to the podcast or watching on YouTube, remember to like, subscribe, and ring the notifications bell. I really appreciate it. Now, on to dollars, or more specifically, Kroner. Gatti Training is based in Stockholm, Sweden, and it's run by Anders and Yamina Gatti. Anders taught me how to say that, and I'm making sure I get it as close to correct as possible. In January, the pair, they cranked, they cracked a tough two-brain leaderboard, monthly revenue. This is a huge one. The top 10 ranges from 43,000 to over 71 grand US. Anders and Yamina almost hit 50 grand. So we're going to talk about his secrets. Anders, welcome to the show all the way from the afternoon in Stockholm, Sweden. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk to you about this because it's a huge one. And I know that it's tied when you tie it like a, a giant revenue total to a profit margin, really amazing things happen in a business. So before we get into the details, tell me about your business. What are your main offerings? What's your target market? How much space do you have? Kind of give me the, the Lego blocks of your business. All right. We started out uh, 11 years ago. First, uh, we started as a small time person training studio. And uh, almost five and a half years ago, uh, we started this gym. We have 530 square meters. I don't know how much that is in, in feet, but... Uh, it's decent sized. <laughs> yeah, it's a decent size, yeah. We have about uh, 140 members. Okay. And uh, the most common member is a middle-aged man or woman, uh, more commonly a woman okay. than men. Uh, for every every new man, we get three or four new women these days. So Interesting, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, the most common people you see is uh, either a business owner or someone that uh, works in a more high position in a company. Okay. Uh, and we, we run personal training and we run a kids program and nutrition program also. But uh, personal training is the, is the main, main thing we do. Okay. Do you run any group classes? Yes, group classes also. Yeah. But, but personal not, training uh, is the big focus. Yeah. Group classes, not, not as many as uh, CrossFit boxes. We run about three classes a day, one okay. in the morning, one in the during the lunch, one in the evening. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to jump ahead because this one really stands out for me. You're getting close to 50 grand US in revenue from 140 members. So the average yes. revenue per member there has to be pretty high. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> really, really high. <laughs> now, we're going to ask you some questions. I, I need to dig into that in a moment. But I first want to ask you, we touched on a little bit. Do you, have, did, do you have an approximate revenue breakdown as in like, what percentage of revenue do your does your group training provide versus your personal training versus your kids or anything like that? Do you have a, some approximate numbers? Yes, uh, personal training stands for almost uh, half of the revenue. Okay, fifty percent. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and the the group classes is around forty to forty five. Okay. And then the kid and the kids and the other revenues is is the rest. Okay, so that's interesting. So three main three main legs of your table, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, do you have programs that see your personal training clients also doing group classes, like a hybrid program at all? Yes, yes. Uh, most of our clients do some kind of hybrid program. Okay, so now we're going to dig into some of this other stuff here. But uh, how has this revenue grown over time? Like when you started just as personal training and then you grew to this gym, 
what, you know, what were the major changes that caused this revenue to increase? And do you remember what it was when you first started? Yeah, that's the biggest change as it was uh, when we joined Tubin Business. Well, that's uh, good to know, yeah. Yeah, 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 that was the biggest one. And we we did have the courage to uh, all new members start with their on-run programs. So all new members ha- have to start with three months of personal training. Yeah. Yep, and uh, that was the biggest difference for us. What, what was your revenue before you did that? Do you remember? Yeah, it was around half what it is today. Okay, about half. And what does it yeah. cost... Uh, what does it cost to do your pro- to do your intro program? Uh, it costs in in uh, Swedish krona. It would be for the first three months. It would be around uh, five to ten thousand Swedish kroners a month. So I'm just that, typing this in. So that's that's probably about uh, yeah one Swedish crown is like uh, eight Swedish crowns is like uh, one US dollar. Okay, so that gives you some perspective on that. Okay, so the this. I find it interesting because a lot of the time back in the day, like when I started my gym, I think in 2010 or something like that, there was a CrossFit gym. We would just chuck people into group classes. There was no personal training. We didn't even know it was a thing that you could do CrossFit and personal training or functional fitness and personal training. Eventually, we actually started doing an eight session personal training intro, and that changed a lot for us. Did the same thing happen to you when you put that program in? You've got like, is it hard for people to sign up for that and say, okay, I might want to do group training, but I'm still going to do three months of personal training right off the bat. Is that a tough sell? No, it's not a tough sell. Yeah. Uh, I think it's it's easier to make the sell nowadays. Uh-huh. Before we did before we did on ramp, uh, some people would question our price. Why do we have to pay more at your place than the neighbor gym? But now they see the difference. The difference we make with people, and we tell them that you you have to qualify for for group class. Uh, tell me a little bit about that qualification process. How does that work? Yeah, we look at your we look at your weaknesses. Uh, we look at your mobility and strength. If you have any injuries, mm-hmm. something like that, we don't want to let you in in a group class. We might hurt yourself, mm-hmm. or when you don't have the technique to do the movements we do in the group class. So we're not going to stop you from doing group class, but we're going to tell you we don't want you to do group class until you're. And people listen to us as they should. You're the fitness expert, so I like that. What's how many trainers and people do you have on staff? We have uh, three full time trainers and uh, one kid coach and uh, one more group trainer. And, and uh, the, the, the full time trainer, uh, uh, work mostly PT, uh, but do a few group class sessions every week also. How much and how much of the training do you do, or do you just have a management role where you're organizing things? No, I, I do training. Uh, I love doing training. But before Two Brain, I did so much. I did like 35 to 40 PD sessions each, each week, and also, did, and also did uh, like 10, 10 classes a week. And oh, wow. and I was the janitor. I was the cleaner. I was the <laughs> marketing guy. You know. And nowadays I do I do like. 15 PT and group class sessions a week. So 15 hours a week. And uh, the other hours I work in my business nowadays. And I'll ask you this one uh, because it sounds a funny answer. How many hours a week do you work in general total? Nowadays I work like 35 to 40. Because I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. Maybe you you had that 15 hours of training that tacked on 60 hours of other stuff. No, 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 no. And uh, and, then... the goal for this year is for me and Yamina to work 30 to maximum 35 a week is the goal okay. for this. Okay. 
decreasing the number of hours. So talk to me a little bit about getting these high value clients. So an interesting part of your revenue structure, and I've seen gyms where it's a little bit different. Let's say there's a gym that has 300 members and a high average rate, and they'll get up around 70,000 a month or something like that. Yours is, you're getting 50,000 with 140 members. Talk to me about how you find those high value clients. Like some people will be like, literally they'll look at our Facebook ads and say, there's no way you can do this. There's no way you can generate that much revenue. And there's no way that you can make that much money off one person. How do you find these guys? Yeah, we, we do it with affinity marketing. We've been doing okay. affinity marketing since before to business, yeah. but we didn't call it affinity marketing. <laughs> we have, a, we have learned a lot about affinity marketing since joining to business also. Um, the big, uh, the big secret is caring about people mm. yeah, and really caring about them, you know, knowing the people <laughs> and, and get them the results they, they deserve and the results they want and, uh, always show them what's around the next corner. When you can do this, you can do this thing and this thing. So there's no end to it. Show them the path forward and they will be holding your hand forever. There's a lot of stuff you just said there that is super important. So the first thing I'm going to tell listeners is affinity marketing is basically using your current clients to find more people just like them. It is a formalized, documented process where you actively ask them for contacts, friends, family, coworkers, and then you start moving outward to people who may be a little bit more distant. That You can find the exact guide to this at free tools. That's the free tools button at the top of twobrainbusiness.com. Do check that out. This process doesn't just happen. I've learned this from experience. If you just ex- sit there and expect your clients to give you referrals, you'll get a few, but you won't get as many as if you actually say, hey, you had great results. Is there anyone else that I can help? Tell me a little bit, Anders, about your affinity marketing process. When do you ask your clients for these contacts and how do you do it? Uh, sometimes you ask them when, when during coaching hours, but yeah. then you sit down and chat with them with a coffee. Uh, and also when we do a goal review session, yeah. we, always ask, we always ask them if they have any other kind of people like them that wants to join us. Yeah. And I, these goal review sessions are so important because you sit down uh, with your clients and you go over what's happened. And if they've accomplished their goals, you highlight their successes, their bright spots, you show them that they're succeeding. Then you ask them what else they want to do and you keep the progression going, giving them a new plan. So for example, if someone says, I wish I was losing weight faster, you would then say, hey, you could do that if you added nutrition services and personal training or something like that. So there's some very good upsell opportunities. Generally what happens, people have told me, is that in these meetings, clients are so happy with their progress, they're generally overjoyed to send you referrals. Is that what happens in your process? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's the exact right time to do it. Also a good time, I'll give you a pro tip, is to ask them for a Google review right there. They're super happy and smiling. Ask them for a review of your business when they're more than happy to do so. Uh, In that referral process then, when you contact these people, how do you do it? Do you just say, you know... Tom gave me your info. I'm, you know, Anders from this gym. How do you contact them and make that conversation happen? First, I ask the client to tell their friend or family or co-worker, something like that, if it's okay, then yeah. I call. Yeah. If they tell me it's okay, then it's a really, it's a warm referral. Mm. Then I call them up and introduce myself. And maybe I heard that you had a knee issue and I talk about them about the knee issue. I try, try to find something uh, to talk about about them, to learn about them, mm-hmm. and then ask them to will you join join me for a coffee, sit down, have a chat, and see what it ends. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a, it's not that hard. 
Oh, it's funny because it's such a simple process, but so many of us, including me, missed it for years and years and years. Uh, how often do, do you do goal review sessions? Uh, every three months. Yeah, every three months. So what I'm kind of getting at here is that you have a really concise idea of your client journey, right? Like you know yes. how most of your clients are coming to you. You know where they're coming from. You know exactly who you are. You told me in the intro exactly who your market is for the most part. You'll get some outliers, I'm sure, but you know it's predominantly women, professionals, and so forth. And then you know in the three-month blocks, you're going to progress them through your business. You have a three-month intro personal training session, and then you have the rest of your options. How did you have that client journey in place before, or was this something that you just developed over the last few years, or where did when did that get in place? Yeah, we had kind of a client journey, but that not written down. Yeah, uh, a couple of years ago, it was me and my wife. But now we have a, a lot of people working at a place. So we had to write it down so everyone else can follow it and do the exact same thing. But it's been an evolving process. Uh, we evaluate it uh, every now and then and uh, try to do improvements all the time. So, yeah, it's a big difference over the last two years, I would say. Yeah, and it's funny because when I talk to successful gym owners like you, guys who are running really good gyms, every single one always knows their client journey. And it's funny because again, I didn't do this back in the day. I just thought you come to the gym, you work out, we work out forever. And that's the end, you know, but it's not like that. There's a lot of things that happen where it's like, you know, as a, for instance, when I would lose members, a lot of times it was like someone had a baby, someone maybe moved to a different city someone uh, got married. Those were often life events or a job change that really altered my client journey. And I didn't even know about it. Some of the things that would have fixed that would have been like online training, online programming, online nutrition programs that would continue even if people weren't in the gym. But I didn't, I wasn't really equipped to figure out how to do that at the time. Now that we're getting a better sense of the client journey, you can really figure out what people need when, why people are more apt to leave, and then you can solve those problems. So I'll ask you this, retention is obviously a huge part of your revenue. You have to keep these high value clients. Do you see spots in your client journey where they're more likely to leave? And how do you plug those holes, so to speak, or fix those problems? If you don't get them on board the first 90 days, if you don't get them to come into your community and uh, feel a difference in your gym and, and get the social thing with other members and with, you, with the trainers, uh, I think most of the time you lose them. You have so that to, first 90 days is critical. Yeah it's, yeah, it's really critical. If you get them to love your brand during those days, then it's much, much easier to keep them off of that. I've heard from other gym owners that say the same thing. And some of them have even told me that the longer and more involved your, your intro program is, the, the better the retention is. Have you found that to be the case? Yes. Yes, of course. That's yeah. uh, the longer you can have them on, on board, it's easier to have them long time. And it was hopefully stay with you forever. It's funny because that's the opposite of what I did, right? Where I, I was in a rush to get people into group classes because I thought that's what they were coming for. So I thought, okay, if I, I, I give them these eight personal training sessions, but I got to get them through there and then I got to get them into group classes. That was maybe the wrong approach, you know? And I think what I could have done better was space things out longer and offer more personal training and more customization and so forth at the time, rather than just focusing on funneling into group classes. You, it sounds like in your history, you didn't have a huge, huge focus on group classes because you came from a personal training background first. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Do you, so do you personal think training has yeah, always been a, the, 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 personal training has always been the, the biggest leg for us to stand on? 
best part about that is that personal training clients tend to be higher revenue clients and they tend to see the value in training, right? And what I didn't realize was that group classes are a discount option, right? That you don't get as yeah, much attention, it. you don't pay as much. Is that how you present them in your, like when you're selling a, a package to a client, do you present the, I mean, not as a discount, like a cheap option, but as if you don't have the money for personal training, group classes are your next option. Is that how you do it? Yeah, that's how we do it. But if they don't have the money for personal training, they can still pay for individualized programming. I do your, your own programming. So you can do it train by yourself and do group classes a couple of times a week. And that would be the next best option. And the, okay. and the last option is to fly with the classes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Let me ask you about the other leg of your, uh, your business, the, the kids program. Is that yeah. generally the children of your members or are these kids from outside the gym? Two thirds are from gym members, and the other third is outside. But okay. it's we started the kids program last year, and it's started to grow. Now uh, this week starts this uh, this season, and we have all the classes are fully booked. So either our our kids coach will have to step up and work a few more days, or we have to hire another coach again. So are these group classes, or is it personal training with kids? It's a small, small team, uh, personal trainer with kids. Okay. Okay. And so you're filling that essentially through affinity marketing, right? You're using the children of your current clients, which is, it's a a home run for gyms, really. Like if your clients love your gym, how easy is it to get their kids into your business? Yeah. Yeah. It's easy. It's really easy. And and the kids that come from outside, uh, after a while, they bring the parents. So we get new members from the kids also. So yeah. It's- right. Yeah. This, yeah. And that's a really cool thing about the children's thing is like once, and that's the way affinity marketing works because rather than having to market and dump ads into like, you know, the internet and try and find random people, you're now using someone who loves your service to find someone else who's going to love your service. I'll ask yeah. you this. Do you, you, do you market? Do you do ads and paid advertising, things like that? No paid advertising. Nothing at all. Really? Uh, have you, have you ever all. in the past? <laughs> little tiny bits of it. Yeah, so it uh, wasn't something you needed to do. No, no. Uh, our mentor, Per Matson, yeah, he told us that uh, you don't have to do marketing right now. If you do marketing, probably you will be overwhelmed with the work. So we're growing at a steady state and we can handle it at this pace. But if we would do to paid marketing right now, probably it would be too much work. <laughs> And that's interesting. That's a lot what uh, like what Chris Cooper, two brain founder, does at uh, his gym, Catalyst Fitness in uh, Ontario, Canada. He runs ads very infrequently, once in a while, maybe three months or something like that. But in general, the gym survives on referral marketing or affinity marketing. So do go to free tools if you're listening and get that guide. It costs you nothing but time, and you can make some crazy money just by finding you know, following the step-by-step plan that's in there. So do get that guide. Uh, I'm going to ask you a little bit about growth now, Anders. Uh, what are your goals? Like you're at about you know, 140 members, 50K in revenue at US. What are your goals for the future? And how, how high do you want to get? Do you want to expand your business and get even more space or, or stay tight and small like this? I would like to stay tight and small like this. Uh, I think the, the gym could handle top 200 people uh, with, with the high quality service that we del- deliver today. So 200 people is the, the goal for the future. Um, we'll see what the future bears uh, if we open another facility, uh, but it's not necessary right yeah. now. Right now, I just want to 
sit down and savor the moment a bit. <laughs> it's, it's been a couple of rough years before the, the gym started to fly. So now well, it's in those rough years, what was the main problem? It was um, me and my wife doing all the work all by herself and not uh, taking in other people, taking in new coaches. Yeah. I imagine you were probably a great trainer, but probably ran out of time and energy to do some of the things that would grow your business. Am I right? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm a great trainer, but I was a terrible business owner. <laughs> and and you, yeah. But that's something you can change because it's funny when like a lot of us, like I, I thought of myself as a trainer first, right? And that was why I got into it. And then all of a sudden I realized I can teach a squat really well, but I, I have no clue how to run this business. You know, and that's where yeah. Two Brain came in to like educate me on all the stuff that I missed. Uh, here's a question for you. Uh, Chris Cooper's often talked about 150 clients being a, a number where you can maintain really, really tight relationships with each member. So you, I'm sure you know the names of every single person in your gym. Once you get up to 200, that kind of changes a little bit because 150 is often that mark where it starts to get hard to maintain your relationship. So if you were to grow to 200, how would you make sure that each client had the same really tight relationship with you and your business? What would you need to do? It'd be a really consistent client journey. Uh, mm-hmm. We have to Coach, coach the coaches and the staff really, really well to make that happen. And that's the, that's the big challenge in the future, to maintain this kind of service, this kind of high-quality service that we do today and uh, have a lot more people to handle. See, if it, if it works, if it, if it doesn't work, I will cut down to 150 yeah. and stay there. Yeah. And talk about profit margin. So we talked about revenue. We've said like you have a great number. How does your profit margin figure into that re- revenue number? Yeah, our profit margin is increasing. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, the goal is to hit the magic thirty percent. Yeah, yeah. So we get into it. Okay, get that's good. Because yeah. often, you know, one of the things that we often talk about is like fake numbers. Is like if if someone's got a hundred thousand dollars in revenue, but they're pr- per month and their profit margin is like one percent. It's not a great business, you know. So you have no, to have, you have to tie it to that that profit margin. Yeah, and we this year we will be debt free. Uh, we have been paid all our loans for the gym since we built the gym and all the equipment. We will own everything, so that would be a game changer for us. Yeah, uh, so that frees up some monthly payments, right? On on uh, debt yeah. servicing. Yeah, so then you can start a to lot. That to, oh, it does, yeah. hey, yeah, yeah, a lot. Okay, so that's cool. So then, and then you said this month, and this year in a. September, October. Oh, so what are your what are your plans once you know you, you celebrate that that debt is gone? What are your plans for that extra cash flow? Uh, somewhat we'll be to increase uh, our salaries, me and my wife's. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we will be we'll be investing it uh, so the the money works for us. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what what we invested in. When you when you spent the money originally. Did yeah. you? What was it mostly spent on? Was it equipment and gear and things like that, or what was it? What was it directed to? Equipment, gear, and we, we build a gym from the ourselves. We build the facility. Yeah. Oh, no. so I didn't even know that one. So you you actually built? Do you do you own the building? No, not the building. I, I built the facility, the inside. Oh, okay, but, so you had, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but the but the inside was a dump. Yeah, so you had to spend a lot of money to make make it nice yeah. and get the stuff. Yeah, and bathrooms and showers probably. Yeah. 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 Around around one hundred fifty thousand dollars, something like that. That's a lot okay. of money. Yeah. So now paid off. Uh, looking toward the future, that that's pretty that's pretty interesting. Uh, 
what, what do you, if I were to ask you this, so a gym owner right now is out there and there's so many of them who say, they look at these totals and I was certainly one of them back in the day and say, I, I could never imagine taking in $50,000 a month. Let's say they're in that twelve to $15,000 range. What would you advise them? How would they take some steps today to start moving from a lower revenue total in the direction of where you're at? First, uh, try to replace yourself in the lower value roles. Ah. So you have to do the, all the cleaning, all the janiting, uh, all this small stuff. Uh, get someone else to do it. And uh, the time that you free up, do some higher value roles. If you do PT, do PT instead of cleaning. And uh, if you don't have some personal training coaches, try to hire some coaches to work for you. And that would be a big change also. So here's a question that I, I this is an interesting one because this is, we call this climbing the value ladder. And there's actually a process that Chris has uh, written about on the Two Brain Business blog. You basically value your time. You look at the roles that are beneath your value. So let's say my I basically am worth $50 an hour and cleaning is $12 an hour. I need to get rid of that those cleaning hours, then use those hours to reinvest into more valuable activities. So, but the thing that a lot of people do is they offload those roles and then they don't do anything or they don't focus on the right things. How hard was it for you? to get rid of cleaning or some low value roles and then actually generate money in those free hours. Were you able to do it right away? Yeah, I did it right away. How'd you do it? I took a paper uh, and draw a line and I write down the stuff that I wanted to do. And on the other side, I wrote the stuff that I didn't want to do. And uh, then I calculated how much does this cost? What can I do in the time that is available for me now instead? And then start to hire people. Yeah. And so I'm guessing an easy one for you being who you are, it would be pretty easy to hire a cleaner and then spend the hours that you normally spent cleaning doing personal training. Was that, yeah, some, was that something you did? Yeah. 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 What other stuff did you do? Were there other high value roles that you hit on that you needed to do that would grow the business? Yeah, I would do um, all the, all the notes at interest I started uh, to do. Yeah. yeah. And we hired a, client success manager to, to help with the reception and to, to manage clients also. And that was also a big game changer for us. Okay. Yeah. So that's the first step. Gym owners, if you're out there, Andrew says, if you are looking to increase your revenue, you need to look at where you are spending time in your business, do a time audit, figure out where you, all the hats you're wearing, what are you doing? Then start looking at which are the lowest value roles. Can I hire someone in these roles to free up some of my time to do more important stuff. Now, again, these aren't low value people. Your cleaner is a very important person, but it's not as valuable as doing personal training or something like that. Any other tips that you would offer a gym owner? Is there anything else that you would tell them to do to generate more revenue? Uh, yeah. Ask your clients, what do they need? What do uh, they want? Yeah. yeah. Ask them, sit down and ask them. If, 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 if you don't have a nutrition program, maybe you should try and run the nutrition program. If you, if you can't run the nutrition program, bring someone else in who can. I made a mistake. And what I did was I would often think I know what my clients need. And so I would create programs that I thought filled their needs. I didn't ask them what they actually needed. It was a mistake. I would have, if I had actually asked them, I would have done better sooner. Did you ever make that mistake or have you always been really good at talking to gym owners or gym owners, gym clients and asking them what they want? No, I I did that mistake for a lot of years. I don't feel so bad then. (laughs) Yeah. I also thought I knew what they wanted, yeah. but when I started asking, I get more answers and different answers than I thought. What kind of answers did you get? Was your kids' program? Did that come from that? Yes, that's one of them. Uh-huh. Nutrition program and, and, and more high value service at all. 
So it's interesting because what, you know, what you're basically, you're saying that when you talk to your clients, they essentially told you how they wanted to spend more money. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's kind exactly. of fun. And then you, all you have to do at that point is create the services, which is not that hard in the sense that like you have coaches, you have a gym putting in a kid's program, not that hard. Not, not at all. Yeah. And, and the sell is easy. You don't feel like a salesperson and, and you don't push the them any new services. Yeah. So again, that's, that's step two listeners go out and ask your clients what they want and what they need and what else other services they might like. What do they like about your gym? Uh, again, we have an exact plan for this for true brain clients of exactly what you should ask in the order of the questions, but do have those conversations. And I'll give you the pro tip here is ask your very best clients. These are the people that bring you the most joy. And they're the people uh, that also spend the most money in your facility. We call them seed clients or sometimes Apple clients, identify them, Take them out for coffee and find out what they need. Do you know, Anders? I'm be- I'm getting I'm guessing you do. Do you know who your top ten clients are right off the top of your yes. head? Yeah, you yes. know, right? You've done that exercise. Yeah, I've done it. Yeah, a few a few times. Yeah, yeah. So how it's important? It's a really great exercise. Yeah, how it's important really great is exercise. it? Like, it's 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 so important. I can't tell you how much how important it is. It's really really important. When one of these clients tells you something that they want, how fast do you react? I try to react as fast as I can. Yeah. I try to make a plan and, and and bring the service as fast as I can. If they want it now, you should give them to them now. So so it's if you wait, then they, maybe they're not interested in a week. Or someone or else creates it for them, right? Yes. And then, and another, yeah, that's it. So uh, any, I've got two huge tips already. Is there anything else you would advise to Jim? No pressure because that's two big ones already. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take care of your health. Sleep uh, well. Eat well. Train, do all the things that you love. Uh, go and uh, see your friends, see your family. Uh, and you have to live your life. I can't always be in the gym. I love my gym, but my gym almost killed me a couple of years ago. Because <laughs> yeah. Working like 250 hours every month. Yeah. yeah That's really tied, crazy. though, to that value ladder, though, right? Because if you start to offload some of your low-value roles, you can start to reduce your total hours and actually make more money. So it's like you pay the cleaner, but you don't have to clean anymore. And that's free time. And then you could eventually, as you start to get this momentum, then you can start getting to that, what Chris has called the tinker level, which is that third stage of entrepreneurship. At that point, you're working more on yourself than you are in your business. And the cool part about that is that you have to be mentally fit, physically fit. You have to do the things that keep you in quote unquote, tip top shape as an entrepreneur your business fails. So I think that's really, really important advice and not to overwork yourself because it's so easy as gym owners to just like work 250 hours a month. Yeah. It's so easy because uh, you tell yourself that you love it. So you can do it anyway, but no one can work that much for a longer time. I loved it too for a bunch of years. And then all of a sudden I was working way too much and I was burning out and I didn't love it anymore. And that was a shame, you know, and it took me a while to like circle back to brain helped me do that. And now I feel much happier about everything. Yeah. Same for me. Exactly. Anders, thank you so much for sharing all of this with me. I really, I really appreciate all the insight. Uh, will you come back on the show uh, later on when you get that debt paid off and you get uh, into the realm of like 150, 200 members? Yeah, I love to. I love to. <laughs> I appreciate it. That was Anders Gatti on Two Brain Radio. I'm your host, Mike Wilkinson. I'm all about telling these stories of amazing juniors. Please subscribe for more episodes. And if you're on YouTube, please hammer a like button too. Thanks for listening to Two Brain Radio. If you aren't in the Gym Owners United group on Facebook, this is my personal invitation to join. It's the only public Facebook group that I participate in, and I'm in there all the time with tips, tactics, and free resources. 
I'd love to network with you and help you grow your business. Join Gym Owners United on Facebook.